Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Yes, well, it continues. The fire continues within me. <laughs> I'm just so passionate this year. I feel it. It's like we have come out of some kind of mm, canon. That's how I feel. I'm just so excited. And I am so happy that I have ways that I get to share my passion that is the best thing. It is so wonderful. So let's place our hand on our heart and take that breath of love and gratitude and be grateful and thankful that God is, that love is, that we are, that our mind is the mind of God, our heart is the heart of God, our life is the life of God now and forevermore without exception. Our innocence is intact. Our holiness is intact. Yes, we are grateful to recognize these gifts of God are ours today and every day. We are choosing heaven today. We are grateful to give up any attachments we have to the obstacles of peace, whether we recognize it or don't recognize it whether we notice it or don't notice it. We are setting ourselves free and sharing the benefits with all. We let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Yes. Oh my goodness, yes. Mm. Okie doke. So, <laughs> uh, one of the things that has been on my mind for a little bit now to talk about is the obsessive-compulsive thinking that many of us, if not most of us, engage in. It used to be one of the most demoralizing things that I ever experienced. Would I would fall into a hole of obsessive-compulsive thinking that just felt like uh, manure, quicksand, uh, just pain and suffering, and I couldn't figure out how to get myself out of it. I, I would be so wanting to stop that obsessive compulsive thinking. I just wanted to get out of the the tension, the the pain and suffering of. It would leave me feeling so weak and disgusted with myself. It just really was awful. And I would find myself falling into it, and I did not know how to get out of it. It seemed as though, no matter how many times I said, I'm not, uh, I, I don't want to think about this anymore. I'm tired of thinking about this. I would fall, fall into it immediately right again and I would go for periods of time where I would be arguing with people who weren't there mentally 
that I would be arguing against them. I would be arguing for myself. I'd be reviewing the facts, just like uh, an expert attorney making a case. So I became the ego's attorney, arguing for my lack and limitation, arguing for my weakness, arguing for my unloving heart, arguing for my painful mind, defending, attacking, defending, attacking, defending, attacking. All defense is really an attack. I've talked about that a billion times, I think. <laughs> Slight exaggeration. And uh, so it was really just attack, attack, attack. It might have looked like defending, but it really wasn't. That's why when I read in the workbook that all attack is actually a secret de desire to, uh, all defense is a secret desire to attack, I knew instantly, oh yes, that is so true. Because my mind was so hell-bent, yes, hell-bent, and attack was my methodology. So today... Let's talk about choosing heaven and how to get out of that pit of hell of our own making, that obsessive-compulsive thinking, attack, defend, attack, defend, attack, defend. And uh, we're going to look at chapter 26, so late in the text, section 5, and it's entitled The Little Hindrance. And in the section before, section four, it ends with this. This tiny spot of sin that stands between you and your brother still is holding back the happy opening of heaven's gate. So the tiny spot of sin is whatever false belief in the form of a, an attack thought of some kind, could be seem to be very, very small, but there's no big or small in God. So it's either all love or it's not. That's it. There's no big or small. So the, the thought that, uh, let's, let's break that down for a minute. The thought that I'm not good enough Something's wrong with me. I'm bad. I'm unlovable. Is not a big thought. It's just a thought. Just like the thought, he shouldn't have done that. She always does that to me. Those thoughts are not little thoughts or big thoughts. They are simply blocks to love. Every thought that is not true, and it has to be true for everyone, in order to be true, eternally true, versus it's true that she went to the store at four o'clock and she came home without the ice cream. You know, that there's, that's not truth. I'm not using true in that sense, circumstantially. I'm using true as in eternal truth. So eternal truth is true for everyone or it's not true for anyone. That's how you can tell if it's truth versus circumstantial. 
I, I think that's helpful. It's been very helpful to me. I talked about that recently. So this tiny spot of sin that stands between you and your brother still is holding back the happy opening of heaven's gate. How little is the hindrance that will hold, withholds the wealth of heaven from you? And how great will be the joy in heaven when you join the mighty chorus to the love of God? Now, what that paragraph at the end of section 4 in chapter 26 tells me is that there is a wealth of heaven that's waiting for me to choose it. And that all I have to do is choose love in order to cross into heaven's gate. Consistently choosing love. And I would say, in my experience, what it, it, it has done, and I talk about this quite a bit in my year-long Masterful Living course, it's about making more loving choices than unloving choices. So 51% more loving than unloving. And it doesn't matter whether we're articulating the thoughts or we're just keeping them hidden. There's no private thoughts. So either our attention is more on love than not, or it's not. It's just, it's simple. I like the simplicity of it. So for me, getting rid of that obsessive compulsive thinking, it's so exhausting. Uh, I know I uh, sometimes hear people say, oh, Today, I did this and that, and it was so exhausting. I find that no matter what I'm doing on a physical level, like, for instance, when I was walking the Camino, uh, walking sometimes 15 miles in a day, I did not feel exhausted at the end of the day. Now, before I went on that trip, I was walking an average of five miles a day, five, six miles a day. And that included all the steps that I made in the day. So just walking around my house. And I only did actual walks of maybe three miles a day. Like one one mile walk and one two mile walk was what I was doing because that's kind of how I do it. Uh, And I didn't do a lot of extra in preparation for the Camino. Uh, but I had been doing that amount of walking. So, but it, I even when I walked 15 miles in a day, I did not feel exhausted. Yes, I was physically. I could tell physically, I'm done for the day. I'm spent, but I didn't feel exhausted. And maybe this is a valuable distinction for us to have, that maybe nobody else would make. But I'll make it here now and see if it's valuable to you. To me, there's a difference between being physically tired because I've um, done a lot in the day. You know, cleaned the whole house, raked the leaves, cut the grass, worked in the garden, walked the dog, uh, ran up and down the stairs 50 times, which sometimes I have. And... um, that, you know, my body feels like it's time to rest. But I don't feel exhausted. 
Now, one of my favorite quotes in the course is, rest comes from waking, not from sleeping. So what I notice is at the end of the day, I feel physically tired, ready to sleep, and mentally ready to sleep as well, to just rest the mind in uh, not be um, observing, thinking about things or answering emails or teaching classes or any of the stuff that I do in my days. But I used to feel exhausted on a regular basis. And what I can see now is that that sense of exhaustion came from being so judgmental and complaining. And the constant judging, complaining, judging, complaining, judging, complaining would wear me out. And the more I let go of my attachments, I found less less of that and so much more energy. People have been saying to me for a long time, you have so much energy, you get so much done. And I, I take plenty of time every day to rest. I take good care of my physical body. I take good care of my mind, right? So I have good, healthy, cleansing habits for the body, for the mind, for my life, for my home, all, all aspects of my experience. I'm interested in having things be pristine as much as possible and cared for as much as possible. So the exhaustion that I used to feel would come from my holding on to attack thoughts, thinking I was right, and attacking my brothers and sisters with those complaints, with those judgments, with those criticisms. And to me, this is very important what I'm sharing. It's very, very helpful to anyone who feels demoralized like I used to by the obsessive, compulsive, complaining and thinking attack thoughts or anyone who feels obsessively, compulsively um, ashamed or guilty or bad or wrong like I used to. I found that the Liberating factors for me were forgiving myself for my attack thoughts. Forgiving myself for my attack thoughts. The other thing was making loving choices. doesn't matter who that love was directed at, whether it was the whole world or myself or someone else. Just making loving choices, even making loving choices towards my body, making loving choices towards my car or my home, just making kind and loving choices was deeply healing to me. And then I can say that I also, the the thing that sort of was a combination of those two things that was so deeply healing for me was becoming a spiritual counselor and sitting with clients. So we had our first class in the quantum counseling program, which just started. Next class is on 
February 27th. And with Karen J. Gardner, we've got 16 Course in Miracles teachers. Uh, you can still register if you're interested. But I was talking about in that class that the mo one of the most healing things for me was sitting with clients, practicing non-judgment, and practicing having a deep abiding love and compassion for them. So compassion being loving understanding is my definition. And so being able to have loving understanding, compassion, real love for my client, to see them correctly, the practice of being in the holy instant with my client, seeing them correctly was deeply and profoundly healing for me. It was the healing of my mind. It was the training of my mind. I'm 100% clear about that. I was just talking with another spiritual teacher who's quite well known, not a course teacher, but someone who's quite well known. In my experience, the spiritual teachers who had years of being a counselor, working one-on-one -on -one or with couples, that spiritual teacher, in my experience, always seems to have a far greater depth of understanding of spiritual principle. So I've talked about it many times that I was reading all kinds of books looking for spiritual insights and information and lots of variety of books, a lot, of course, Science of Mind, Joel Goldsmith, great, great truth books, uh, some written by mystics, others written by uh, spiritual students of all kinds, and channeled books by Ascended Masters, all different kinds of truth books. But when I began sitting with clients one-on-one, -on -one, then the clarity came. And the hunger and thirst for a complete understanding of the truth and a pathway to awakening was laid out for me, for me. Now, originally when I thought about becoming a spiritual counselor, I thought, oh God, no. I'd rather pay people not to have to listen to them tell me their problems. And that totally flipped when I realized I can sit with my brother and sister and know the truth, and it's a healing for both of us. And that living in the miraculous field of love healing, the power of love healing our lives was so attractive to me, I made it my whole life. <laughs> All right, let's get into this uh, section five, the little hindrance. A little hindrance can seem large indeed to those who do not understand that miracles are all the same. So no big or small, all the same. It's just a shift in our thinking from the ego thought system to the Holy Spirit's thought system, from the false to the true. Yet, teaching that that is what this course is for. A little hindrance can seem large indeed to those who do not understand that miracles 
are all the same. So we're entitled to miracles. Miracles are the same. There's no big or small. And teaching that is what this course is for. That is its only purpose. For only that is all there is to learn. That's what it says. And you can learn it in many different ways. All learning is a help or hindrance to the gate of heaven. Nothing in between is possible. All learning is a help or a hindrance to the gate of heaven. So we can learn through uh, suffering, pain, difficulty, or we can learn through direct insight, connection with spirit. My preferred way. I'm very clear I'm not interested in learning through suffering anymore. There are two teachers only who point in different ways, right? The ego or the Holy Spirit, love or fear. Two teachers only who point in different ways. And you will go along the way your chosen teacher leads. So are you choosing the Holy Spirit as your teacher? You know by how you feel. You know by how you feel in the moment. There are but two directions you can take while time remains, and choice is meaningful. For never will another road be made except the way to heaven. You but choose whether to go toward heaven or away to nowhere. There is nothing else to choose. So we're either choosing heaven or we're choosing the wasteland. Nothing. Nothing is ever lost but time, which in the end is meaningless. I love that. love that so much. Because uh, I, I have said so many times that nothing is lost in God because God is all there is. Where is it going to go? Nothing is ever lost but time. Time isn't real, so nothing, it's nothing, Nothing is ever lost but time, which in the end is meaningless. For it is but a little hindrance to eternity, quite meaningless to the real teacher of the world. So this section is entitled The Little Hindrance. Uh, so, uh, And it starts with a little hindrance can seem large indeed. So time is a little hindrance to eternity quite meaningless to the real teacher of the world. And that's one of the best things I learned. I'm getting ready to do my undoing, uh, rather my unblock the flow of time, energy, and money. And one of the most wonderful uh, healings in my mind has been this giving up the idea that there's not enough time and the, oh, all the worry, doubt, fear, upset, so much upset because I was so focused on there's not enough time, there's not enough time, right? Think of people with their to-do lists and there's not enough time to get everything done in a day. It is a giant ego distraction and it brings so much misery. Yes, and we can undo 
that block the, the belief in time as a power over us. All right. So time is but a little hindrance to eternity, quite meaningless to the real teacher of the world. So the real teacher of the world is the Holy Spirit. Since Yet since you do believe in it, why should you waste it going nowhere? So since you believe in time, why should you waste time going nowhere when it can be used to reach a goal as high as learning can achieve? Whoa, that is powerful. Let's, so let's, in, since we believe in time, let's invest our time and energy in rising above feeling stuck in time and not having enough time and affirming that deep sense of lack day after day after day after day. Let's escape that hamster wheel of consciousness that simply is not uh, it's not our way. It's it's a path of lack and limitation that just is not for us anymore. We're done with that. Oh my goodness. So glad to let that go. Ah, oh, yes. Hey, uh, I'm going to take a minute here just before I, I'm about to go to the break. And just before I do, I'd like to mention that we are launching our new website, powerofloveministry.net. If you go to the old site, jenniferhadley.com, you'll be redirected to the new. And just remember, it's powerofloveministry.net. .net. And uh, check out the events page there. We've got wonderful things coming up, uh, including the Unblock the Flow of Time, Energy, and Money workshop this weekend. And so much more. All right, that's time for me to take a break. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. And we are back. So uh, just taking a moment here before I get into this section uh, again, just would like you to know you can save the dates in May, two events coming up. I'm doing my uh, counseling training intensive, which is in person, and create and lead workshops that make a difference in person. These two trainings are back-to-back, so for people who travel a long distance, they can come and do both at the same time, and they only have to travel once. We're doing it in Scottsdale, Arizona. We have a great deal, the very nice hotel, and uh, the Create and Lead Workshops is Memorial Day weekend, and then the week before is the Counseling Training Intensive. I'm renaming my spiritual counseling training program, Quantum Counseling Training Intensive. Quantum Counseling Training Intensive. So if you're interested in doing this work at the level of the mind, either because you're a counselor or a coach or you'd like to be, or you just like to do this deep, deep healing work with us, 
Either way, it's all good. Come and all the details are at powerofloveministry.net. So there you go. Save those dates in May if you're interested. Early bird ends April 1st. It's an amazing early bird. I boy, I've got and I've got a fantastic bonus for you. So really good stuff there. Check it all out. And if you have any questions about our programs, you can always book an exploratory call with one of the spiritual counselors and get your questions answered. I want to go back to this uh, thought about we believe in time and that it brings up so much fear and so much anxiety. It's really a great way for the ego thought system to hook us into lack and limitation, that we are not good enough. If we were good enough, we would have enough time, we would be more efficient, more effective, etc., etc. It's all about getting us convinced that we need to work at the level of form to change things. Remember, A Course in Miracles begins with seek not to change the world, but to change your mind about the world. And one of the biggest changes we can make about the world is giving up this idea that we're bound by time because we're not bound by time. But it's very... um, very much a a foundation of the ego thought system that we are stuck in time and space. And so going back to what I shared before the break, since you do believe in time, why should you waste time going nowhere when it could be used, Time, your time could be used to reach a goal as high as learning can achieve? Right, So learning can take us all the way up to awakening awareness, all the way up to the place where we start to remember the truth, recognize the truth, and become miracle-minded. For me, I had a very strong belief for a long time that what I wanted was success in the world. I, I wanted to be successful as a writer, as a screenwriter, as a playwright. And I discovered that no amount of success, no success really made me feel better about myself. It really didn't. And I opened up my own awareness to realize that what I actually desired more than anything else was to know God and to be loving, to simply be able to be loving in all situations, all circumstances, no matter what. That became a very powerful pull for me. And so I went from thinking that I wanted to see the world and experience the world and travel the world and experience my own ideas of, uh, we could say, fame and fortune and success on a material level, I began to see that all of that pursuing in the world 
was for the purpose of validating my existence and helping me to feel that maybe, just maybe, I was in some way good enough. But in no way would I ever be able to truly undo the idea that I wasn't good enough. I saw that and I made the turn in my mind and it didn't happen overnight. It was, in a sense, a series of breakthroughs through my spiritual practice as a result of my spiritual practice, forgiveness being so important to that and making loving choices and turning away from my judgments and opinions and giving up being a controlling person, a manipulative person, all of those things that I did, uh, I I really finally realized that what I'm most interested in this lifetime is simply knowing myself as God and seeing my brothers and sisters as God and being a loving person. So all of that shifted, and then what also happened was I no longer was ruled by this belief that I didn't have enough time. That fell away, and that was a giant, giant relief for me. In terms of the development of trust, it's in Chapter 4 of the Manual for Teachers. In the light of that teaching, you could say that I was no longer valuing the valueless. So what's valueless? Caring about whether there's enough time or not. Now when people say, what would you like to accomplish and how soon would you like to accomplish it? I I don't feel tempted to attach to ego goals anymore. Uh, what I'm most interested in is simply being loving, being compassionate, awake, aware. These are what I'm interested in. Then it says here in this section, think not, so a little Yoda here, think not, the way to heaven's gate is difficult at all. So another way to say that would be, don't think the way to heaven's gate is difficult at all. But we do have the tendency to think that it's incredibly difficult and that we are not worthy of heaven's gate. But we are. We are heaven. We are the treasure of heaven. Nothing you undertake with certain purpose and high resolve and happy confidence, holding your brother's hand and keeping step to heaven's song is difficult to do. Nothing you undertake with certain purpose and high resolve and happy confidence, holding your brother's hand and keeping step to heaven's song is difficult to do. So when we are tuned into that higher Holy Spirit self and we are holding our brother's hand, in other words, we're not thinking ourselves separate, but we are joining with our brothers and sisters. Nothing is difficult to do. But it is hard indeed to wander off alone and miserable down a road that leads to nothing and that has no purpose. So that wandering, that mind wandering 
feeling lost in time and space. That is hard. Feeling alone and miserable, that is hard. And it's totally optional. God gave his teacher to replace the one you made, not to conflict with it. So God gave us the Holy Spirit to replace the ego teacher, not to conflict with it. So that's the thing is that still small voice of heaven is not to conflict with the ego, but to remind us of the truth. And so that's why the still small voice is gentle. It's still and small. However we perceive it, we feel it, we sense it. God gave his teacher to replace the one you made, not to conflict with it. And what God would replace has been replaced. So in truth, the ego thought system has been replaced. Time lasted but an instant in your mind with no effect upon eternity. And so is all time past and everything exactly as it was before the way to nothingness was made. The tiny tick of time in which the first mistake was made and all of them within that one mistake held also the correction for that one and all of them that came within the first. And in that tiny instant, time was gone. And for that was all it ever was. For that was all it ever was, a tiny instant. What God gave answer to is answered and is gone. So that's why dwelling in the past, dwelling in the false, is a waste of time and energy, we could say. I'll, I'll say it's, it is just the painful learning. It is the painful learning. It goes on. To you who still believe you live in time and know not it is gone, don't know that it's gone, the Holy Spirit still guides you through the infinitely small and senseless maze you still perceive in time, though it has long since gone. You think you live in what is past. Each thing you look upon you saw but for an instant long ago before its unreality gave way to truth. Not one illusion still remains unanswered in your mind. Uncertainty was brought to certainty so long ago that it is hard indeed to hold it to your heart as if it were before you still. Now, this is confusing to many Course in Miracles students, the idea that we're reviewing the past and that there is nothing new and that time is actually already over. Uh, it's been, it's done, it's done. So I say with things like that, just accept it as true. Don't, uh, I, I say, don't worry your pretty little head about it. Just allow it to be and invite the Holy Spirit to help you see. Let it be and invite the Holy Spirit to help you see.
The tiny instant you would keep and make eternal passed away in heaven too soon for anything to notice it had come. What disappeared too quickly to affect the simple knowledge of the Son of God can hardly still be there for you to choose to be your teacher. Only in the past, an ancient past too short to make a world in answer to creation, did this world appear to rise so very long ago for such a tiny interval of time that not one note in heaven's song was missed. Yet in each unforgiving act or thought, in every judgment, and in all belief in sin, is that one instant still called back, as if it could be made again in time. You keep an ancient memory before your eyes, and he who lives in memories alone is unaware of where he is." So for me, it's helpful just to accept that this is true and not try to understand it from the level of ego personality, but just to be willing to understand that time and space are not real and that we've already gone through all the experience of time and we're just mentally reviewing it. And the whole thing of our awakening in the dream, awakening from the dream, is to liberate from reviewing the past. So whenever we're upset, we're not upset for the reason we think. We're upset because we are reviewing the past, thinking that it's happening now. Forgiveness is the great release from time. That's what it says here. Forgiveness is the great release from time. We're in paragraph six here. It is the key to learning that the past is over. Forgiveness is the key to learning that the past is over. Forgiveness is how we learn that the past is over. So forgiveness is the willingness to let go of the past. And when we do have that willingness, then we can see that the past is over and it's not happening again. It says, madness speaks no more. So forgiveness is the great release from time. It is the key to learning that the past is over. Madness speaks no more. There is no other teacher and no other way. For what has been undone no longer is. And who can stand upon a distant shore and dream himself across an ocean to a place and time that have long since gone by? How real a hindrance can this dream be to where he really is? For this is fact and does not change whatever dreams he has. Yet can he still imagine he is elsewhere and in another time. In the extreme, he can delude himself that this is true and pass from mere imagining into belief and into madness, quite convinced that where he would prefer to be, he is. So we can imagine it, but it won't ever be real. But we can still spend our time imagining 
The past is happening again. In other words, our unworthiness is being poked. The perceived unworthiness is being poked. The belief in worthiness, unworthiness is being poked. And in that, it seems like it's happening again. But it's only our belief that's being poked. Our willingness to release that belief, have it be healed, resolved, and dissolved permanently back to the root cause is all that's necessary for us to have the actual healing. So powerful. And that's what forgiveness is, is the great release from time. It is the key to learning that the past is over. So what is forgiveness? Releasing the meaning we made of it, our interpretation. All right, let's go to paragraph seven. Is this a hindrance to the place whereon he stands? Is any echo from the past that he may hear a fact in what there is to hear where he is now? And how much can his own illusions about time and place affect a change in where he really is? How much can his own illusions about time and place affect a change in where he really is? So we are living in the real world, dreaming, imagining that we're in this false reality. So how much can our belief in the false reality about time and place affect a change in the real world of unlimited, infinite, eternal? None is the answer to that question. The unforgiven is a voice that calls from out a past forevermore gone by. And everything that points to it as real is but a wish that what is gone could be made real again and seen as here and now in place of what is really now and here. Is this a hindrance to the truth? The past is gone and cannot be returned to you? Hmm? Yes, it is. (laughs) And do you want that fearful instant kept when heaven seemed to disappear and God was feared? And made a symbol of your hate? Do you want to hold on to that? You want to keep that perpetuating? Most people do. And we are coming out from among them. Forget the time of terror that has been so long ago corrected and undone. Can sin withstand the will of God? Can it be up to you to see the past and put it in the presence? You cannot go back. You cannot go back. And everything that points the way in the direction of the past, but sets you on a mission whose accomplishment can only be unreal. Such is the justice your all-loving Father has ensured must come to you. And from your own unfairness to yourself, has he protected you? You cannot lose your way because there is no way but God's. And nowhere can you go except to God. Love that. You cannot lose your way because there is no way 
but God's way. And nowhere can you go except to God. Amen, amen, amen. I'm going to skip down to paragraph 14 here. Forgive the past and let it go, for it is gone. You stand no longer on the ground that lies between the worlds. You have gone on and reached the world that lies at heaven's gate. There is no hindrance to the will of God, nor any need that you repeat again a journey that was over long ago. Look gently on your brother and behold the world in which perception of your hate has been transformed into a world of love. All right, so forgive the past and let it go for it is gone. How do we forgive the past? This is how we get out of that hamster wheel of thought, the obsessive compulsive thought that I was talking about in the beginning. It is through the forgiveness. It's one of the reasons why that's such a core thing to every program that I offer. Forgiveness gives us everything we need. Forgiveness offers everything I want. That's the teaching of A Course in Miracles, and I know it to be true. So what is forgiveness? It's letting go of attachment to the meaning we made of things, to our version of the story. And when we're attached to the meaning we made of things, we're in that obsessive compulsive thinking. How do we get out of it? Through willingness. And it's beyond a willingness not to suffer, but a willingness to know the truth, value the truth, and share the truth. Be the love that we'd like to see in the world, being compassionate, being able to let go of our judgments and opinions. That's what forgiveness is, replacing condemnation with love. That's what forgiveness is. And it might seem like it's a bridge too far, but only because we believe we have to make it happen or we have to do it. Remember, there's no big or small in God. Our willingness is all that's required. And so it is the willingness to see with God's eye, with God's vision. And remember, so it talked about here at the end about the will of God. There is no hindrance to the will of God. Our will is the will of God because we're part of God and everything is part of us because we're part of God. So let's place our hand on our heart and be grateful and thankful that God's will is our will. There is no separate will. So we are blessing the whole world with our holiness. Yes, we are. We're accepting our perfection, our innocence, and everyone else's. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen.